0: You're listening to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta and the community of Legends of Runeterra. This episode is supported by listeners like you. To become a supporter of Legends Cast, visit patreon.com/legendscast. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to Legends Cast, a podcast about the cards, the meta, and the community of the Legends of Runeterra. My name is Mark, and I am one of your hosts from outside of Pittsburgh, PA. I also go by the Lift. And with me this evening is our legendary and ever faithful co-host, Dead Broke Nerd. Dead Broke Nerd, how you doing tonight, man?
1: doing pretty good been loving all of these card reveals and just getting more and more excited every day i think i like these cards better than the targon cards we received in the first round of targon expansion so i'm just like ready for them to come out so i can i can goof around with them and just have an absolute blast
0: yeah absolutely there is some really cool cards that we're seeing revealed and in fact today we are going to basically jump Like right into to uh, Card reveals because there is So much that we're not actually going to do much In opening banter um, we just wanted To make sure that we could get to I think the 21 or 22 different cards That have been revealed but before we jump into that I do want to go over and say thank You to a few people who have Been supporting us or have just started Supporting us over at patreon.com Corey L is one Of our new supporters over at patreon.com Lawson P is and matthew s thank you guys so much for your support over at patreon.com slash legends cast we deeply appreciate the encouragement and all that you do to support the show um, if you don't know we do a giveaway every month out of the out of our patreon supporters and lately we've been giving away a legends cast hat um and uh we just did a count of them and we're, we're running out of them we keep giving mm-hmm. away we keep giving them away i put a couple in the mail today uh to send out to, to folks who had won one. Um, and uh, you can win one by being a Patreon supporter or by participating in our legends cast season two league. If you're in it. Um, I had my first match today and got handedly beat um, by the juice who, who beat me today. Uh, mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good couple matches though.
1: Yeah, no, I, well, and you, you did have uh you did have to play your uh, <laughs> five, five hero comp, your league of legends comp. How did that go for you? <laughs> It didn't. It didn't go bad. Uh, I played
0: Frailyard first, and honestly, it didn't have anything to do with probably the champions. Just had to mm-hmm. do with the fact that I was against a Heimerdinger deck, and uh, he just outvalued me in the late game. And then I played Shadow Isles, which is basically mono Shadow Isles with a couple of builds champions in it, and uh, I won the first game pretty, pretty like strong, like it was really strong. The second game, it just so happened like that thing that happens sometimes in Shadow Isles decks, where you have A bunch of stuff that wants to sacrifice things but nothing that you want to sacrifice (laughs) so (laughs) so like all of my cards to play them i had to kill something that i had on board and i didn't have anything that i wanted to kill And uh, I was up against what I think is my worst matchup, which was Sedge, uh, Ash. And it's just because they can sort of, the the Shadow Isles deck has to get the board and it loves when your opponent doesn't have three attack minions, because it plays a lot of fearsome units. And Sedge, Ash just plays a lot of three attack minions. Um, in its early game and then a lot of five attack minions coming towards the mid game And so I didn't have a lot of a lot of great opportunity there But it was it was a lot of fun Had a great time playing in my first round of the league. So the first round of swiss is done this week Um, which is which is really cool. And it was it was a lot of fun but uh, let's go ahead and jump over and uh, and let's just dive right in to the The 20 some cards that we have to talk about for this episode <laughs>
1: Here I go!
0: So guys, the first thing that we want to do is we want to make sure that we talk about right out of the get-go, not the champion, but a new card type that we're getting in this next expansion. So if you've had your head under the rock or you just don't join Reddit or you're not in our Discord, you might not know this, but there is a brand new card type coming out that is kind of similar to supports from Tessel, enchantments from Magic the Gathering. I don't think they have anything like it in Hearthstone. At least they didn't whenever I was playing. Maybe, maybe... Maybe they did eventually, but I I don't think they did. So these new cards are called landmarks. They play out like a creature and take up one of your spots for a creature on the board, but then they have a lasting effect. But they do not have a health or an attack. So you can't attack with them. They can't be attacked. And they will do something, some of them at the beginning of every turn, whatever. And then oftentimes they sort of like have a point in which some of them kind of have a point in which they pop. But uh we're getting a couple of, I think, like epic level landmarks for the various factions. Of, of lor and then they have said that we're probably going to be getting a lot more sort of more inexpensive less flashy landmarks as time goes on
1: yeah the landmarks are this is this is so, I think anytime somebody sees there's a card expansion and says, "Oh, wow, okay, there's some new mechanic, there's some new thing, but let us not get it twisted. Landmarks is absolutely massive because it's a new card type. It's not just a mechanic, it's not a yeah it's you not know, just a, like a game plan something. it's not a new keyword I mean all of, actually Death Touch would be massive for this game let's oh, I hope that never happens. Uh, <laughs> it probably will uh but no." landmarks uh, are a completely new type of card that's going to shift how people play. Maybe not right away. I think when anytime you introduce a new type of card, uh, there's typically a hard time getting them in the right space. They're either too strong or they're too weak. Um, And we can talk about how that's going to land, but the bottom line is landmarks are... are How that's going to land. Landmarks are... Really... (laughs) They've been divisive uh in at least already. in our discord already already <laughs> and it, and not from a negativity standpoint i i really want not from the standpoint of um this isn't cool we hate this it's everyone's been excited about it but i think everyone's had very different opinions on you know how it's going to play what can, you know are these things going to be viable you know what are the pros and cons and it's interesting because we have a very i think experience based uh experience you know, opinion on them, you and I, because we played Tessel, which had an extremely close uh, parallel in support cards. Yes. Um, To the point where like, I, I literally started recording a video comparing the two and like, uh, you know, breaking down some of the similarities, some of the differences and stuff. And I stopped recording because I said, you know what, we're going to cover this in the podcast. Uh, (laughs) And if I'm being honest, there's just so much to unpack there um that it it wasn't going to be a simple undertaking because this is something that again the ramifications are going to be wide and long lasting i mean a new card type and how it impacts i really love that it by the way that it keeps the space on the board which is a negative uh trait that the supports and tesla never had Um, sure
0: i mean the the tesla supports you were limited to four right where your board was limited to eight creatures four on each side your you could get two supports on each side of your of your your character or whatever a total of four supports Mm -hmm. could be out at a time in magic the gathering the similarity is enchantments right so these are kind of like lingering or long lasting even artifacts to a certain extent maybe it's actually a little bit closer to certain like some of the original artifacts in magic the gathering where They weren't like before uh, some of the sets that came out that like added artifact creatures and artifact lands and all of an artifact equipment, like before all of that came out, artifacts were kind of like these things that you played that sat off the side of your board. Now these won't sit off the side of the board, but in, in magic, they sat off the side of the board and they might do something. And then your opponent couldn't get rid of them unless they had a way with a destruction spell of some sort to interact with them. And that is one of the very important things about landmarks is they've already come out and said that they are going to go back and sort of change the wording on various cards that are already existent in Legends of Runeterra to make them capable of interacting with or destroying landmarks. So I think maybe the the one that people look to and expect is Vengeance, is seven mana, destroy something will now likely be seven mana destroy something or destroy an enemy or destroy an enemy landmark. Um, And so there's going Mm -hmm. to be some removal in the game that already exists, that they're going to be likely going back and switching up or changing a little bit to allow those new things to impact uh, landmarks and potentially get rid of landmarks.
1: Yeah. I think one of the things that has made, or that in Tesla just working off the history there made them controversial Um, is most of the time they were pretty bad uh, because, and and we can kind of touch on this, uh, and and I think it's the same with these landmarks, uh, you don't get a board presence. You don't get a creature that can protect you or deal damage to the opponent or remove dangerous creatures of your opponents. Instead, uh, you have what effectively is delayed value, which is really cool and it's a fun way to play, um, but it, it definitely at least in tesla's experience kind of created this situation where if and a support didn't see play unless it was very very good um and mm-hmm. then when it was very very good the strength of the support was the fact that people couldn't touch it unless they had like a handful of support removal cards and those support removal cards uh where it had this weird kind of rock, paper, scissor thing where those guys would not get played unless they doubled as having a different kind of effect. Because uh, if they uh if they only remove supports, you weren't gonna see enough supports to make it worth running unless it had some other benefit. Um, and it created kind of this weird like uh rock, paper, scissors, silver bullet situation, um, which meant that when supports uh, were good. It was either that, it was always that one support was just so so strong that you you didn't mind the tempo loss. And I think I'm thinking of uh, like Divine Fervor, which was a five mana support. That gives all of your creatures on the board plus one plus one. Now, that's a pretty strong effect and one that I, quite frankly, will probably end up seeing on a landmark something similar. Yeah, I
0: that. would expect to see something like that over time.
1: I would, especially in something like Noxus or maybe Demacia mm-hmm. um, that really kind of has a, you know, that warlike nature. But um the thing about Divine fervor was that it was so good because it buffed a board that was already established as opposed to any sort of kind of control-y uh, or maybe even just sort of defensive supports. Typically, you needed to defend yourself You know, already. If your game plan is to slow the game down, you needed tools that would defend. You couldn't often have the time to establish the greed uh, of these slower effects, and I think that that's what people are worried about right now. But I mean, more than that, when a effect like when Divine Fervor was was being played, um, the strength of Divine Fervor was just that, you know, most of the time your opponent isn't going to have support removal or if they do, it's only going to be a couple copies in their deck. So you can pretty much bet that it at least get a couple turns of value before getting removed. Um, and that's kind of a, a definitely a concern for the landmarks in this space. Not that I don't trust Riot's design team so far. I've been I've been pretty happy with their decision making and their willingness to correct things and scale things forward or backwards. But uh, it just should be noted that anytime you have a situation where there's only one way to deal with something, similar to my complaints about elusive. Um, that when there's only one way of dealing with something and you have to tune your deck so far in that direction, it tends to limit creativity and also create situations where a wide variety of cards aren't getting played because they're not good enough. Um, and so that's definitely a concern with landmarks. There's definitely going to be, I guarantee you, there's going to be one or two cards that destroy landmarks that will just never see play because they're not viable in enough other matchups, matchups that don't use landmarks. Absolutely. But then there's going to be... But then there's going to be that one card that can do something really good. Oh, and it also happens to destroy landmarks. And then that's going to be the card that everyone wants to gang up on.
0: <laughs> I think that we're
1: actually going to see a lot of cards that do that. Um, you know, well, like, here's the thing. Like, I
0: saw a lot of people, there are some folks who are kind of like, eh, you know, unsure about this and how this will shake up the game. The game is young, so I'll give it that. But, uh, you know, Magic the Gathering has had artifacts and enchantments for 20 years. And they're still printing artifacts and enchantments. And if your deck doesn't run artifact and enchantment removal against a deck that wants to use artifacts and enchantments, you can't get rid of them. And so, yeah, that sucks sometimes. Now, in competitive play, Magic the Gathering has sideboarding. And you typically, if you're Mm -hmm. in a meta where, you know, let's say there's a very strong artifact deck in the meta, um you might keep three copies of artifact removal in your sideboard so that you can swap them in whenever you go up against an artifact heavy deck. Of course, we don't have that in LOR. Um, but that being said, you know, like one of my favorite decks in Tesla actually was kind of like the support mage um that yeah. ran a ton of supports, right? And that was sort of its strategy. I don't see that being the case here where you're gonna see a whole bunch of landmarks, at least not initially. However, <laughs> I personally I don't think like I did people were like, oh, you're not going to be able to touch them or the removal is going to be bad. I don't know. You know what? That just isn't. I don't know that that if people maybe maybe people have like a, a memory of like one or two situations with a bad deck where they were like up, upset with it or something. I, I'm not sure. But I think card games have by and large done this in some capacity for a long time i mean even if you think Mm. of hearthstone their version of this was typically kind of weapons right um they were they would they had limited uses you would play a weapon and sometimes an opponent's deck had weapon removal and they would counter that sometimes they wouldn't but that didn't necessarily make or break the game it's not like uh, if you had a weapon, if you have an enchantment, if you have a support, or if you have a landmark that you definitively 100% are going to win the game if your opponent can't remove it. Um, it is typically a part of your game plan that your opponent cannot necessarily interfere with, but also in many of those decks, if your opponent could remove it, it didn't necessarily mean that you automatically lost the game either. There were a few mm-hmm. cases where high risk, high reward, things like Hearthstone where you had Doomhammer. Um, in, I, I would say certain things like Tessel where you would have uh, altars if you could get rid of someone's, you know, leveled up okay. altar or whatever. Um, but typically you run a couple of copies of a landmark and they're not going to run or maybe won't be able to get into all of their copies of landmark removal. So it sort of depends on how much landmark removal they print and, in uh, retcon and how versatile that stuff is, right? If there's suddenly yeah. every faction has a card that says do this or remove a landmark. Um, and it's all like relatively inexpensive and very versatile, then yeah, landmarks are going to be probably trash, right? Um <laughs> But they're not going to release enough of them, at least initially, where probably your entire deck is built around them and has no other ability to win the game. Some of these landmarks are going to be alternate win conditions. That's true, but it's probably not going to be your only win condition. So I think that there's just, uh, you know, every time new cards are spoiled, there's a lot of hype and a lot of thought. Um, I'm not like super jazzed up about them, but I'm also not like, well, they're definitely going to be total garbage or they're going to be completely overpowered because there's not enough interaction with them. Uh, I know people have been all over the map. I'm kind of like, I, I think these will be fine. And I-, I-, I like the dynamic they'll add to the game. And I hope in the future, if we get enough of them, that we can see a an entirely new style and type of deck mm-hmm. that comes out of it. That's what I'm excited about.
1: I would be interested in seeing a card in Noxus that instead of uh, uh, destroying a landmark, steals a landmark because they're going and conquering. Oh, that would be cool. I think that'd be a really cool card effect.
0: There's Um, so many things that you can do with this, right, mm -hmm. that is cool. You know, a landmark that gives all of your creatures a keyword. Like, what if there was a landmark Mm -hmm. and all of your creatures now have Overwhelm? um be cool you know oh it's expensive but geez oh man if they don't well, and that, if uh, you if you have a board it has immediate impact you play it on the turn you exactly. attack with it's, it they have to deal with it you know
1: it fills that divine fervor kind of idea where the the landmark is not a value producer it's not a alternate win condition it is a kind of like a spell would be a permanent spell effect you mm-hmm. know um and that's that's we will see that and maybe not this set but eventually they will do that i would think uh, so because it will be cool um so they'll do it it'll be probably pretty good the last thing i'll say on the landmarks though is that i have i think i i i realized i might have been sounding negative about it i'm actually really not i'm so excited for them and there's a couple reasons that uh One, I'm just new card type, new way to play. I'm always about that. I I remember when in Hearthstone, when quests first came out, I loved quests. Oh, yeah,
0: quests are very similar. I
1: forgot about quests. Quests were great because you could just, they would start in your hand. If you ran the quest, you could think it would start in your hand. You could always just spend your first turn playing it. That that was, quests were one of the best things that Hearthstone, I think, ever did. And I think one of the mistakes they made was not providing more of them. And maybe making some of those quests a little bit toxic, you know, um,
0: like maybe the rogue one,
1: <laughs> the rogue one, the mage one, yeah. But I, I mean, and they didn't want to run it back. I mean, as always, Hearthstone's issue was not ideas but execution um, and follow up. But but I thought I I really did. I felt like and and similarly, I I thought the Death Knights were really cool and the way they did that. I wouldn't I would not be surprised if we saw a similar. Uh, death knight thing uh, eventually where it not modifies not like your face but rather modifies one of your champions or something like that in your deck or in, or on the board you know that'd be kind of neat um, the, the bottom line though is yeah like I love when they when people experiment with the base and and you know force you to think in new ways I was also thinking too I would not be surprised if we see some cards that protect landmarks in fact I was even theorizing a card that said uh, like imagining a three mana burst spell that said, "Give a landmark spell shield to draw a card." Um, yeah, I could even see kind of like a, uh, a, a, a like a
0: warden, right? That it, while mm-hmm. this, you know, you play it and give a give all of your landmarks spell shield. Um, yeah, or yeah. You, you play it and you give a landmark spell shield, right? because it's this is this warden is protecting it or a yeah. creature that says none of your none of your landmarks can be destroyed until while this creature's on the board, right. Exactly. And, and building some protection among, with creatures for landmarks, I think could be interesting.
1: Well, and I think that'd be a really great way to circumvent the idea of, okay, you want to play landmarks? Cool uh everyone's gonna ha- if, if because that's the thing if you give everyone removal for landmarks but you give landmark decks quote unquote no way to protect their landmarks landmarks are gonna be trash forever but if you give decks that want to devote a good amount of the cards of their 40 cards towards supporting and protecting landmarks then you create a much more interesting environment whereby the people that can play the people can play uh mana efficient flexible versatile uh, uh, landmark removal. But if you're playing somebody that's, sh- and if you're playing a deck that just splashes landmarks, or maybe if they're if they're in a faction that doesn't have cards that that protect or buff landmarks, right? Because I can't imagine. I really can't picture like uh Bilgewater having uh cards that protect their landmarks. They're pirates, no. you know. But I can totally see like maybe Demacia or uh, Targon or Ionia you know taking very good care of their landmarks you know and so i can see them having cards that would protect those landmarks and so then if if you were playing a bilgewater deck a bilgewater noxus deck and you want to splash a landmark in uh let's say it's a noxus landmark that gives everything overwhelm because i thought that was a cool idea um well you can splash it in there but then that other person's versatile support removal can just blow it up very efficiently, but if you want to play that Noxus support card and you want to devote more of your game plan, you know, towards protecting that, and you go and splash Targon or Ionia or whatever, and get the things that you know stop you from targeting it, or give it spell shield or whatever, uh, or or bounce it back to your hand you know, when it gets targeted or something, so you don't lose the card. Whatever it is, um, that creates a much more interesting, much more dynamic deck building environment. Uh, if you have If you not only have ways to kill it, but you also have ways to protect it. So I'm really hoping to see something like that.
0: Yeah, and we've only seen uh, half the cards for this set, and we have another set coming in December that is in the same season. So, you know, we, I don't know if it's in the same season, but it's in the same string of sets, right? Yeah, Um, yeah. So we could definitely see a lot of stuff that that go along with Landmarks in this, but let's go through them. Let's go through them because there have been a Mm -hmm. handful, I think one for four. Okay, yeah, and they're all for different factions that have come out so the first one that came out was the vaults of halia um which is a five mana landmark for shadow isles it says round start kill your most expensive ally to summon an ally from your deck that costs one more so kill your most expensive ally to summon an ally from your deck that costs one more and this i think then would get its summon effect right like let's say uh, i like if if you summon the four mana three three that sacks a creature to resummon a version of it right um mm-hmm. if if Maltella summoned that out you would get to choose another creature to then sack and resummon as well um because is, is that how it works or is it play i can never mm-hmm. remember if it's summon or
1: play it um, is summon uh the play effect play effects only go off when they come from your hand so they're two different things so for instance rekindler says when i'm summoned okay right? sure, sure whereas rasa the sunderer which everyone wishes could be used with vaults of helia rasa says play kill the two weakest enemies if an ally died this round so um you know rasa spectral maiden commander ladros these things won't be very good here but rekindler and i actually think soul gorger might might be pretty decent in this um i'm just looking at things that when uh that have sure. summon effects. Scribe of Sorrows, when I'm summoned to create a copy. Uh, but then I think you can definitely go the last breath route too. You've got things that, when they die, you get cool effects. So, I mean, there, there's a lot to kind of keep in mind. Like, the first initial thought to this is like, oh, round, I play this, I,
0: I sack a two drop, I get a three drop, sacks a three drop, I get a four drop, sacks a four drop. But it doesn't naturally build like that. So, if you no. sack a three drop, got a four drop, sacked a f- four drop got a five drop and they killed your five drop and next round you only have a one drop it's going to sack your one drop and summon a two drop so it's not going to naturally build up um like uh, I'm trying like alter well, alter, alter did in, in, well
1: alter forced you to start at one It always, no matter what you blew up, Altar of Despair... Guys, Altar of Despair was a uh, Tessel card. It was a support. It was six mana, and it had uh, an active ability that at any point on your turn you could use where you choose one of your creatures, blow it up, and summon a random creature from your deck with a cost of X And every turn, that cost increased by one. So it starts at one, and every turn, or every time you use the ability, it would go up one. So if you start at one, you blow a creature up, boom, it goes to level two, you'll get a two drop on the next time you use it. And you go to a three drop on the next time you use it. So it doesn't matter what the creature that died was, you get the card that gradually, the altar, you sacrifice more things, the altar gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it summons your 12 drop and you win the game. Yeah, That was the idea. Um, This does not do that. I think it, it definitely is much more... Uh, much more like median uh, effect whereby you might have the ability of oh, okay i'm gonna play vaults of Helia. i already have a six drop out and now if they can't mess with that six drop on the beginning of the next round that six drop dies and we get rekindler and i get back my callista or whatever that's sure. pretty great um but it also you're right it has the ability to okay they killed my six drop my soul gorger crap the only other thing on my board was a spider uh, so now I pull a 2-drop. And by the way, the, both the boon and the, you know, uh, what do you call it? Not a boon, bane. Curse. Um, yeah, sure. It's a curse. Uh, a boon and a curse. The curse of this card uh, is that uh, it only pulls things that are from your deck. And if you run out of the cards of that cost from your deck, you won't get anything. But it's Ooh, also the it'll boon. It'll just
0: sack something and not give you anything?
1: Yeah, that costs one more. So, if you, don't, if you don't have anything in your deck for it to summon, it won't summon nothing. But on the, the same token, right? Um, you get to construct your deck. This was the fun thing about Alter of Despair in Tesla. You get to construct your deck such that. Uh, you know exactly what you'll pull at the beginning of each round. Mm -hmm. Or it might be a toss-up between two cards. Okay, it's either this or this, and they serve the same purpose, right? And so you can finagle it in certain ways where, okay, I'm going to make sure my strongest ally is actually going to be a 2-drop because I really need some resource extension here, and I want to pull my 3-Scribe of Sorrows. So I'm actually not going to summon this 4-drop here uh because i need my scribe of sorrows to come to. i mean this is a bad example i don't think people play scribe of sorrows i'm just saying i don't even know what that um, card I, is so i actually really like it in mist wraith decks it's really fun it, it's okay. a three mana two three when i'm summoned create a copy in hand of an ally that oh, died this game sure
0: sure yeah. so i
1: played in mist wraith decks um but uh but yeah the bottom line is you might finagle it such that all right i'm gonna make sure that I'm not playing another card that would be of higher cost because I want the summon effect from that next level of card. Um, Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a really cool effect. I think of the ones we've seen, it may even be the weakest. Yeah, it's really hard to tell for me. It's really hard to tell. It's so hard to tell because you have to figure out what the best pairing of eight regions is uh, and which ones have the best summon effects and which cards... can take the time to wait for this landmark to come out um it it, you know i can totally see a build of, of vaults of helia that are really 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 strong and i'll just eat my words but in terms of like you gotta find time to play five to spend five mana and you have to construct your deck so carefully that until someone finds that ideal combination, which who knows, maybe some awesome streamer will find it on day one. I hope so, because I want to play it. Because I loved Altar of Despair. Um, but I think uh, it's going to be a... You know what it is? It's not that it's the weakest card. It's its going to be the hardest card to implement well. I agree. Both in terms of deck building and in terms of playing. Playing this A Vaults of Helio deck is going to be hard. Yeah, yeah.
0: But it's cool because this is the first type of card that's come out that you're like every other time you've been like, oh, yeah, this is a Hecarim deck or this is a Nautilus deck or the, you know, this you could you could say this is a vault deck, Right. Um, and uh, and we haven't gotten a lot of cards that are so unique and potentially strong if in the right scenario that mm. it defines the deck right other than champions and this could do that which is kind of cool and i think some of the other landmarks could do that as
1: well so here's a here's a really cool let let, i just want to briefly talk about the when i'm summoned some of the highlight cards of when i'm summoned Mm -hmm. um so you have uh it summons an ally right so that includes champs Mm, yeah well no Uh, i don't know go ahead Okay. Well, if it does, if it does include champs, you have Gangplank, Quinn, Trundle, oh yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, it includes champs. Yes. I would think Okay. Uh well, okay, even if it doesn't, um on uh for 2, you've got Dreadway, Deckhand, summons a powder keg, clump of wumps, hired gun. All these things do things when they're summoned. Uh moving higher up in the list, you've got things like uh Frenzied Skitterer that's pretty neat. It, y'all Hunters, if you want to grab some Sea Monsters. Uh, by the way, this because this uh, summons things from your deck, it will thin your deck out as you try to get deep. But on turn 5, hopefully you're already close. Um, more importantly, and I think this is kind of the, the bigger thing as we get higher up in the and the costs, uh, you have avarice and Hearthguard. That's when good. I'm summoned, give everything plus 1, plus 1. That's real good. You got Radiant Guardian. And by the way, an ally will have already died this round. Yeah, that's true. That would, Because uh, you blew something up to get it. You would summon a proct ready-to-go Radiant Guardian. Mm-hmm. You've got Trifarian Assessor. You've got Zap Sprayfin. That's a pretty nice one. Thin your deck even more. Genevieve, Icy Yeti, which, you know, Icy Yeti everyone hates on because you don't want to play it for 7 mana, but if you can get it at the beginning of your turn for free, Frostbite enemies of 3 or less health, that's pretty good. Similarly, Shipwreck Hoarder. If you're going to be thinning your deck with Vaults of Helia, uh, you can get a shipwreck order for basically for free, quote-unquote. But really more importantly, you get the summon effect for free. Put some treasure in your deck. Rekindler, They Who Endure, Captain Farron, Windfarer Hatchling, Tiana Crown Guard, and the Dreadway. So the cool thing Um, about this landmark is
0: that you can control this landmark by controlling the creatures on the board. Without destroying the landmark, right? But if this thing consistently can do what your opponent wants it to do, it's going to cons- keep putting out more and more powerful things without mm-hmm. spending your opponent's mana on their summon effects, um, yeah. and that's where it's going to see play. Let's go no, into. The- I, I
1: really like the uh, I really like the Everest and Hearthguard particularly for this.
0: Yeah, 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 Everose and Hearts Guard's very good in that. Let's go to the Slaughter Docks. The Slaughter Docks was the Bilgewater one. It is a three-mana epic landmark that reads round start, toss one. So, you know, each round you're going to Toss one, which is kind of cool because it's another equipping item towards uh, Nautilus without having to be in Shadow House. And then, if you are deep, so once you're at 15 cards or less in your deck, destroy me to summon a random sea monster. Uh, and so, my initial thought and what I like about this landmark is it's like, okay, yeah, three mana, throw it down. It's not game defining. If it gets destroyed, you're not super upset about it typically if you're playing deep you don't have you know you have room on your board anyway you're not filling your board so the question is can you on turn this is i think some redundancy to work towards deep um it the three mana slot um i don't know how much it really had needed that because i think we do have the yarl hunters and then the three mana three two that tosses three with life touch or life steal um so you know whether or not we needed this a three or not i'm not sure but i like that we're getting another another more toss i was afraid that we weren't going to get much more toss and deep and that you know we were kind of done with it um don't know if it's good or bad but this is the type of landmark that if i threw it into play and it tossed twice before it got destroyed i'm not upset about that
1: not too upset you said uh like two really really relevant things here the first one is probably the most important one which is you said you were worried we weren't going to get more toss stuff this is a big big issue in ccgs but especially digital ccgs that i have seen across the almost 10 games that i've played throughout my lifetime The issue is they'll come up with this cool new mechanic. It'll be flavored to whatever, you know, faction or whatever. They'll drop it. It'll be neat. It'll be decent, not quite there, or maybe it is good. Um, And they'll never revisit it again. Hearthstone was a major culprit of this one. Tessel was pretty bad about it too, especially when it came to like the wax wane effects. We got some cool wax wane stuff. It wasn't very good. And then they never printed another one over the next, like what, set or two? Set because um, the
0: next set killed the game, but yes,
1: right. But we, I mean, a whole nother big expansion. They didn't print a single, another like wax wane card for uh, you know, what was a underwhelming archetype, but a very flavorful one. Mm-hmm. So, this is a really good sign. This is yep. such a good sign, um, that they have acknowledged, uh, whether consciously or unconsciously, that trend in CCG. So, that's that's just so cool. Um I'd say the other thing that you mentioned that that's really neat is it, uh, adds redundancy at the three cost slot. And you mentioned the two other ones, y'all hunters. Now that doesn't toss, but that does provide you a little bit of removal in terms of the challenger. It also gives you some longevity and in, in terms of yeah. handing you value creatures generation. for you to, yeah, well, in that way you don't have to run as many sea monsters because you'll generate them from the all hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, what I love about that is you're you're totally right. It adds redundancy and it takes it, it makes it such that you don't have to play Dead Bloom Wanderer on three. You can play this on three, right? Uh and that means you can take it out of Shadow Isles. Yeah, you can potentially. Pair, you can pair well, I mean, think about it. The main the best part of um Shadow Isles with uh with this was the Dead Bloom Wanderer by far. With uh with sea oh, monsters oh yes water. oh yes nothing nothing else in sea monsters uh was really that important you know besides uh dead bloom I mean you don't really need to run the big ginormous nine or eight drop or whatever it is uh, what is it the terror one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah yeah you don't yeah, really the the, you the one's like a ship yeah that's also a monster yeah you don't need to run that. Uh, because you could you can generate it off of Gall Hunters. And to be quite frank, once you get Nautilus leveled and you put some other things in there, like you're fine. You I never felt I still don't really feel like you need to run it with Maokai. Um, i like it's okay, but Maokai himself seems pretty underwhelming to me. And quite frankly, you should be able to win off the back of Nautilus. Um, so it, but it really felt that the Dead Bloom Wanderer, you you almost had to run it um mm-hmm. and there wasn't a good alternative and so now if the if the water toss mechanic is a little bit more self-sustaining um that means you can go and experiment with other factions and, and see where it can take you maybe you know some different types of control tools to hang in there a little bit longer um but i but i really want to point out one other thing you know it, does the slaughter docks remind you of a support from uh from Tesla?
0: Mm. well what was the one oh yeah the the uh east march it would summon two east march crusaders once you broke a
1: rune right and it made uh, Well, well that, that's that's yeah that was forward camp that that one's not what i was talking about but that's actually a great point um i was talking about hist grove oh sure so mm. so hist grove and, and the structure is actually um, like uncanny it was also a three man although i think it eventually got bumped to four yeah yeah it was um, by but, the end but, yeah but what it did was uh it gave you an a mana ramp you know one more max magicka now this doesn't do that um but the decks that uh it was played in needed to get to this high max magicka which is a a a mechanic in in tessel that we don't have here you're capped on your total number of mana in ratera but you weren't capped in tessel um and it usually, after about 20 Max Magicka, it usually wasn't relevant because you, you didn't have enough cards to play on your turn. If you had, True. you know, 30-plus Max Magicka, it usually wasn't relevant. But uh, once you hit 15 Max Magicka, uh, the Histgrove would be destroyed and you would get two... Uh, actually, I think they were Sea Monsters, now that I'm thinking about it. They're like Leviathans, giant botaniles. Swamp Leviathans. Yeah, Swamp Leviathans. Yeah, swamp Leviathans. Yeah, swamp. Yeah, swamp Leviathans. Uh one in each lane right um and it basically the hist grove accelerated your progression towards your max magicka that you needed and then of course once you got there it gave you a payoff that is literally exactly what this does except instead of max magicka you're trying to thin your deck you're trying to toss your deck to get deep and this says here i'm going to help you get there and once you get there you don't need me anymore you don't need me to toss anything anymore instead i'm going to give you some really cool value now granted you're summoning a random sea monster. So you could low roll and get the four mana one, but that's still a seven, seven at worst. Yeah, for sure. A card that you played several turns ago. Also, you can still play this later on. And uh, if you're already deep and you draw this card, this is a big weakness I think deep has. There's a lot of cards that you will use to help you get deep um, and then they that have become no use. worthless, mm-hmm. right? You can play this, and on the next round start, you'll get a random sea monster for three mana. That's pretty good
0: yeah yeah that's not bad yeah i like this card i'm gonna try this out i think that uh, the slaughter docks is uh it might be my favorite of the landmarks i like it um this next one is is what who who's the guy who wants to play uh big dragons is that
1: timmy yeah timmy <laughs> okay
0: this is timmy the howling abyss is timmy seven mana frail epic uh landmark round start create a random level two champion that's not in your hand deck or play so for example i am playing uh let's just say for example i'm playing uh anivia and uh i don't know what else i would play with uh, anivia and um Braum. a brahm that, that's a great example i was just blanking on every single champion's yeah. name brahm anivia i'm playing Brahma Nivia, and then i put howling abyss down my next turn it's going to give me a leveled up jinx but it will not give me a brahm or anivia so i play my leveled up jinx which by the way would be sick um and then because it's going to draw me two cards next turn and next turn uh it's going to create in my hand a level two ash because it can create something in frail yord as long as it's not brahm or anivia and i play my level two ash now jinx ash brahm and Nivia are off the board until one of them get until you know brahm until uh, jinx or mm-hmm. ash get killed it's gonna give me a level two nocturne so it's well, consistently I, putting cards in hand it's interesting
1: i uh i mean yes all of that structurally is correct i don't think you can get things from other factions because I th- I think I, I feel like I remember create by default only oh, really? pulls things from your yeah from your faction so I I, I feel like I remember that um, and so that's where it will say otherwise because uh, like Karma says create and hand a spell uh, from your regions hmm. but then there's one down there that says. See I thought that create
0: uh, literally could not typically I thought the only thing about it mm. was it could not create a champion right that if it if it's maybe it that create it if it said create it would create but uh, you know what it it typically did what does um In hand you know, I that's a it that's hard. A lot of the create I might cards... be
1: confusing this with something else. I know Mythgard. I'm pretty sure Mythgard was like that, where if it would if it would try to make something, it would only give you something from your, from that faction unless it said otherwise. So I might be getting my card games mixed up here because this isn't a thing that well, comes it, up very often. Yeah, it
0: does make a big difference though, because if you're creating something at random in your hand, um, and that thing has to be within your factions, uh you know, it does, uh, see, the thing that, that, that catches me is because there are cards that say create from your region, tells me that it can create stuff outside of your region unless it specifies. Um uh, that's my initial thought. Um because a lot of the stuff that it says create has some sort of restriction on it, right? So Crimson yeah. Curator creates a crimson creature. Um a lot of the stuff that creates creates a very specific thing. You know what? No Flash of brilliant says create in hand a 6 cost spell. Oh, it's also from your regions and then refill your spell mana, but uh, did it originally be able to create outside your regions? That one's another one that says, you know, inside your region. It's a great question. I'm it's wondering question. if it's
1: yeah. I just wonder if it's like a, this is a clarity thing, which they've done a lot of. You know, trying to be extra clear on stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I I don't know. I I could be completely wrong. So we'll just we'll just move on with the discussion. Yeah, I mean, eminent, uh, eminent benefic-
0: beneficiary is creates an epic card from your regions. Laurent uh, Cavalier creates a challenger. From your regions, you tell me what you think about it. I'm going to keep looking through and see if I can if I can make heads or tails of that.
1: Well, we also know that they often uh, will, like for the last couple sets, that they've put cards out and then later come in and clarified things. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's a pretty big thing that they haven't really cleaned up on their side. So I don't know. Um, I've just noticed like create seems to always be specific things. Okay. In fact, I feel like I haven't seen create ever be just in general it'll say it'll tell you what it's what pool it's creating from okay so usually you can create from outside of region
0: so uh this is the only one that does it to my knowledge and it is the involvis vox which is the six mana five six fury dragon from targon that says mm-hmm. when you play an ally with or when an ally with fury kills an enemy for the first time each round create a random dragon follower in hand and if you are not now that's a great question though because I don't know if I've ever seen one that well, wasn't playing Demacia.
1: Well and dragon is a is the modifier there. So what I'm saying is that like I feel like this Well and this champion is the modifier. Cha- I guess level two true. champion is the modifier. If if I'm being honest, I feel it's like hard this know. card is I feel like this card is worse if it could pull from the entire champion pool. I think this Maybe. card would be. I think this card would be better if you can basically construct your deck in in such a way that you know the pool of champs you're pulling from is only like, what four or five you know champs from each mm-hmm. faction, um. Or even you know I saw someone theory crafting. I didn't completely follow the conversation because this is not the kind of card that typically interests me. Um, I don't love super super grindy control. I like control that has a usually a combo finisher or just some sort of like big board-based finishing plan i don't like just endless resource generation uh and that's kind of what this is um the uh but i saw some people theorizing like well what if you only run like one copy of all the champions you don't want because statistically speaking you won't run into all of the champions you don't want every game and no champion on their own is super bad so really if you play a game plan that doesn't rely on any one champion strategies, instead you fill your deck with six champions that you don't really want to get a level two copy of, you know? And I was like, that's interesting. That's pretty interesting. But I think that that only really works well when you're playing it in, when you're not, when you're only pulling from the two factions. Otherwise then, you know, the margin between, let's see right now, how many champions is there for each region? Seven. Eight?
0: No, not that many champs. Uh, no. Five.
1: There's five for each region. So there will be six.
0: Yeah, I think that's right? true. So okay. I found it, DBN. I found the okay. one that I think makes this mean that you can find it from anywhere. Warden's prey is a one mana one one with last breath. Create a uh, create in hand a another last breath follower that costs three or less. the The unique thing about this card is when you were playing it um, with. Uh frailyard most things that can cost two or less that have last breath are frailyard until Target came out, which released yeah, Mentor of the Stones. Um right. and Mentor of the Stones without playing Target can be got off of Warden's Prey. So you can play Warden's Prey, it dies, and you can generate a mentor no, I, of the stones I'm not
1: just yeah, so. I'm not disputing that at all. I'm I'm simply wondering. I'm just wondering if this card's just worse otherwise. It, it might be. It's fun. It's super fun. Yeah, I mean, fun for it's sure. Fun, fun for sure. Fun for not. Fun for someone that's not me.
0: That's what probably. I'm saying. It's Timmy, right? It's Timmy's card that yeah, just yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to try out all of the champions, and he wants to Kinda, see if he can win with a random Heimer, level two
1: Heimerdinger that he got mm, off of this thing. You know, that's what this reminds me of. I couldn't place it, but it's like that. Uh, there was a support in in, um, in Tesla where it was like replace everything in your deck with dragons.
0: Yes, uh-huh. you played it. Dragon, yeah. Dragon Mount. Mount. Yeah.
1: yeah, um, or there was the or like Journey to Savin. Well, that was a different.
0: There was one that, that, was that changed a creature fun. in your card directly into a random champion as well, or random,
1: a, a or random legendary. legendary. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, they're, they're, yeah. I mean, that's what it is, And okay, cool. And it is in the a good controly faction with Yor. I mean,
0: there's a ton of value that you get out of this. If this lands and you can't get rid of it, and you can't pressure your opponent out it's going to be hard to beat this thing because you're having to deal with a different leveled up champion, many of which have a win condition in and of themselves every round. That's not going to be easy to do.
1: Well, yeah, I think, and that's the thing though with this is that you're, you have to, you get the card down, you get no immediate value, then you get random champions that you have to uh, play every turn that you still have to spend the mana on. By the way, you could get, yeah, it's true, you could get a leveled up Sejuani or a leveled up, swain or a leveled up twisted fate right but you just as likely could get a leveled up um fizz or a leveled up timo
0: with timo and if you aren't putting puff caps in their deck by the way timo's leveled up forms as double the amount of poison puff caps in the enemy deck if there aren't so any he is now a one man two two with elusive and that's it <laughs> right <laughs> that's an interesting um, interaction you can get a leveled up fiora which i guess you still have to kill four things at that point but still
1: yeah, well, I mean, that's actually at uh, by the time you're at turn seven, a leveled up Fiora is kind of bad. Yes. Um, because the things that you're attacking probably will kill it. Um, my point is, is only that like, uh, compare that to War Mother's Call, right? Which instantly does give you now War Mother's Call can be denied, you know, but the Howling Abyss can be blown up with a obliterate effect or whatever. Yeah, it a is, lot of you know whatever ends Right, some things will blow up landmarks just as easily as spells will get denied, and and by the way, only one faction has deny. Um, you know, mm-hmm. so I I would almost rather play War Mother's Call than this. It's still big things, still fun, but you know you have a little more control over what you're getting, and you get something right away, and it can't be destroyed once it goes off that first time, as opposed to howling Abyss. And so I'm almost like looking at it like there's so many other like late game options for failure that are just going to strictly be better. That This is going to be a yeah a fun card, but I would have almost rather seen it in like a faction that doesn't typically play control just so they can have this like dream control deck that runs this as a win, win condition. You're going to see streamers
0: uh, play Howling Abyss decks. You're going to see YouTubers, you know, yeah. put up Howling Abyss decks. It's a fun card. It's not a good card.
1: There's yeah, better it's options. Gonna, it's going to make for some really cool highlight reel moments, though. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's go yeah. on to the last landmark that we've had so far, Starspring. This is the Targan landmark. It's interesting. It's a two-mana epic landmark round end. Heal damage allies one. So everything that you have on the board that's damaged is going to heal one. And then once I've seen you heal 22-plus damage from allies, win the game. Win the game. Hen. I yeah. want your first thoughts on this because I'm I'm interested well, to know what you think about this card.
1: I really hate uh, cards that say win the game. Me too. Just, I really don't like them, but I think I would play this card just for its round end effect. Sure. Like, I, I would play this Would you just feel guilty bit. if you won the game off of it
0: then? Because your opponent couldn't get rid uh, of
1: it. I mean, 22, healing 22 plus damage on allies, not just not your nexus on allies. It's kind of hard. Uh, and I'm pretty sure the way it's coded is going to be it has to be injured and then healed as opposed to, like, overhealing. I'm pretty sure overhealing won't count. Yeah, no, Um, I think it's
0: going to only heal for the amount that it can. But,
1: but dude, it's only two mana. It's only two mana. Healing's relevant. How many times, like, people are forced to block or, like, you get your value... Like, this makes value trading so strong. Like, I'm not saying this is going to be busted or anything like that, but I'm just saying, like, I've been wanting there to be good healing based decks like creature healing based decks kind of like uh heal priest and stuff in hearthstone Mm -hmm. um and i always loved those lists and so i'm just i'm really uh um you remember like the injured blade master was like weirdly a priest staple for such a long time oh yeah yeah yeah, for sure Mm -hmm. yeah i i really liked that i liked priest i liked before priest before it was just play a bunch of spells and basically be a mage that was a priest i liked when priest was you play creatures with big butts and then heal those butts you know heal those butts right up like that's what i want to play that's what i want to mess around with by the way guess what um like crimson curator, crimson aristocrat. My my crimson boys are gonna love having a star spring down.
0: Well, and we just um, saw we just saw a bunch of target cards that are gonna go with the new champion as well. That definitely want to play into that target healing stuff
1: because a bunch of them deal damage to themselves yeah. when they hit the board. Well, and uh, some Bilgewater stuff that that would work really great when you have a star spring oh, out. Which so. one did
0: I just say? Which faction did I just say? You said. Did I say
1: Targan? I meant Bilgewater. Uh, I meant well, you were right though targon can use healing too <laughs>
0: well yeah targon targon can but i went bilgewater
1: there's a couple yeah. of new things for bilgewater that's coming out that make that very yeah, good yeah yeah, for sure so i starspring gets a thumbs up for me i think it's i think slaughter docks is still my favorite uh but i like like starspring a lot and i, I know i'm going to be playing starspring whereas i think howling abyss kind of loses me uh the the other three Every every landmark so far, except for Howling Abyss, gets big old thumbs ups from me. Yeah, I like uh, Howling Abyss probably the least for competitive play. I like it the
0: most for like total memey, ridiculous. I'm <laughs> definitely
1: making a Howling Abyss deck, right? Oh, see, that's that's like, the Vaults of Helia for me. I don't think Vaults of Helia is is going to be like super super strong but golly is it going to be cool
0: i think there's going to be a point where vaults of helia is really good um i just i've seen cards like that in other games in 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 both you know magic and tessel i've seen cards like this this one is a little bit more restrictive because you have a lot less control over what happens i think but I've seen those cards become viable and competitive before. I expect that one at one point or another, maybe not for long, but at one point or another to become pretty viable. I could be wrong about that. Maybe the restrictions are too much on it. But I think that Starspring and Slaughter Docks are probably the two best ones just because they're like, they do something that's like, I really want to get like... I don't like what it's doing, right? It's furthering my opponent's game plan, but I also don't really want to waste resources getting rid That's of it because it. it's not that doing is
1: it. enough. Um, and That is exactly, that is exactly those two cards. I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because I had that thought like earlier in the day and I completely blanked on it now, but that is such a minor like thing that people won't think about, but you're, you're totally right. Like, there is always that thing in the back of your head of like, and that was always, that was sometimes the case with Divine Fervor. If you had like a Divine Fervor being that five mana support that came down and gave everything plus one, plus one. If you're like controlling the board and you're sitting there like, oh, my opponent only has like three units out Right now, they're only getting a little buff. Maybe I don't blow it up now. Yeah, maybe use I don't use that way.
0: resources. I get rid of stuff on the board instead. And
1: sure. then the longer you leave it around, the more value it's generating. Eventually, you're like, I should have killed that Divine Forever when I had the chance.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of
0: stuff like that that had been, you know, enchantments or type of cards like that and other other things where you're like... I do want to, remove, you know, I want to use my removal on that because it's annoying and it's furthering their game plan and they're getting well, value out of it. But how much value am I losing by spending my turn removing that? And that's it that? too.
1: There is, there is, there's a lot of times in uh, uh, Legend of the Five Rings, and I've talked about this at length with Gibbles and Bits, and we kind of look at those cards now often when we're looking at new cards from this perspective of how much of this card is a bait, like there are cards that I that we will put in our deck because it makes the opponent try to remove them in cost inefficient ways. It's a It's an effect that is strong enough or or just present often enough that the opponent gets frustrated with it mm-hmm. and feels that they have to do something about it. But if that card was not difficult for you to use, that card wasn't expensive for you to put out onto the board you're winning just simply by the fact that you're baiting your opponent to use their removal on something that you don't actually care if it dies or not and i think starspring especially is that situation where and here's the other thing about starspring um it heals your creatures which is something you never want to put in your deck Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you don't like no one runs creature healing spells because creature healing spells don't come up often enough or oftentimes you need to heal three or four creatures you don't know when you're gonna need to heal them eventually it would be nice but with the exception of gems which you can generate and by Mm -hmm. the way the gems when you generate them like they're really good at what they do they really are are or quite potent i've i've been very happy with running gym cards, you know. Agreed. Um right. And so I think Starspring is that similar case of you can run three copies of this and you'll always have that healing for the rest of the game once you play it. You don't have to sit and hold the card and hold the card and hold the card until it's relevant. It'll just happen. And yeah, it's not going to be like a big heal three, but it'll give you that healing effect over the course of the game while it's out and you won't have to worry about using it at the right time or letting it sit dead in your hand. Sure. Yeah, I agree. So we've been talking about landmarks for
0: about an hour about an hour so here's what we're gonna do we have a question from the patreon that we want to get to and when we come back after talking about the the question from our patreon discord channel um we're going to look at the new champ that has been released that's coming out um with this new set the only one that we've seen and we might pick i might pick like just a couple more cards that are interesting to talk about um you know there's a lot more out there you can go and check them out we're probably going to hit this question the champ and a couple of other cards and And then wrap up uh, things for this episode. But uh, DBN, let's go ahead and move over to that question from our Discord channel. Time for the
1: main event. Yeah, so what we talked about last week is we want to start doing a little bit more for our Patreon supporters. And one of the things that we have offered is a special Patreon channel in our Discord where you can post uh well you can just directly ask us questions and we'll chat with you and whatnot Uh, but more importantly you can post questions that we will pick one every week uh to answer on the podcast uh so we had uh, two really good questions submitted this week and we picked the one that we felt wouldn't would take the least amount of time uh because we have a lot to cover and as you can see we've already rambled for probably too long on landmarks um but this was from matrim kawthon kothans i just call I'm, him matrim we're just gonna call you matrim and we love you thanks thanks for being in the discord very active uh, member of our community um asked the uh the following question after the recent rework and success of lee sin what should be the next champion that gets reworked and how would you guys go about it so it's a great question it is a this great is a great question it's a great question, and and uh, we were talking about this, and Mark was like, uh, "Hey, should we like each pick one? Should we agree on one?" I said, "You know, let's agree on one. We'll get through it faster." And he's like, "Which one?" I was like, "You need to pick because I am gonna be a broken record about the same one that I'm always complaining about. So we need to get one that that's <laughs> not Vladimir." Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, Mark picked a couple, and I got to uh, choose between the three that he offered and the one that I chose uh is another one that I've been harping on. Uh Mark, you want to introduce yeah uh, our, so our buddy? Our guy is Darius. Darius is a <laughs> Noxus champion.
0: Six mana, six five with overwhelm. When the enemy Nexus is ten less a health or less, you level him up. His level two farm he's just a six mana ten six with overwhelm. So just wildly boring, right? He is a very vanilla champion. Was good for the introduction of the game, but I personally think is not good for the game as it stands right now and could desperately need a rework. I'm going to tell you about my rework first. So the Darius is the one that we chose together. Here's my rework, and it's based off of some of the stuff that Darius does in LOL. So in League of Legends, Darius was one of my favorite people. So Darius has the ability to spin in a circle, and everyone he hits with his axe when he spins, he bleeds them. Then he has the ability to Get you with kind of a hook and yank you in um and uh so there's one other one which i can't even remember what his other ability is but that's the flashy one right he hooks you in and gets you close and then of course his ultimate is the slam dunk where he jumps up and he smashes Down decimating your life And he does more damage for like Each bleed effect that he has on you from his Various abilities or however Many times he's hit you anyway he can deal Stacking more damage I'll be honest I'm sure Darius Has had some reworks done since I Played lol like years ago but that's How I remember so here's my New version of Darius that I think would be cool so my version of Darius In mine he is a 5 mana 5 4 instead of a 6 Mana 6 5 he is a 5 mana and a 5/4 that has challenger instead of overwhelm. And whenever he challenges a creature that is damaged, he gets first strike. So if you challenge a a normal creature, he's a 5 mana 6/5 with challenger. If you challenge a damaged creature, He becomes a 5-mana 6-5 with challenger, and is it quick strike? It's quick strike. Quick attack. Quick attack. Quick attack. With quick attack, which means he strikes before the opponent does. We already know from Diana that when you can combine those two things, it's very, very strong because you're picking who's defending you, and then on top of that, you're striking them first. So not only are you picking, but you're picking someone that you feel like you can kill. With your attack so they don't get the opportunity to attack you back. But it's with the activator that, that you have to get some damage on something through a ping effect or um, through uh, if if there's there is like one whirlwind effect in this game, which is like throwing knives around. Um, so it enables a couple of other cards we haven't seen played in my version of Darius. His level up, um, his level up is a um, if he kills three creatures. So once he kills three creatures he levels up in his leveled up form he is a 5 mana 6/5 with the same ability challenger and if he challenges a uh, a creature that's damaged he gets quick attack and then his level up ability is when darius kills a creature and remains alive you get to uh you get to rally so you get to attack again Um, and that comes from darius's ability um in league of legends that whenever he slam dunks on somebody with his ultimate if he kills them it immediately refreshes the cooldown so he can just go through and slam dunk the entire team some of the favorite darius videos a bunch of people are damaged he's bleeding all of them and he just slam dunk slam dunk slam dunk slam dunk and kills them all and that's a really fun thing to do so that's my version of Darius. Uh, four mana, five, or five mana, five, four with challenger. And if he challenges a damaged creature, he gets quick attack. When he kills three things, he levels up to a five mana, six, five. Um, that whenever he kills something and isn't killed himself, you rally. That's my rework for Darius.
1: Uh, I really like your rework. Most importantly, I really love the idea of getting quick attack when attacking a damaged creature ally i always picture with literally the card noxian guillotine mm-hmm. right that you should be able to uh like do more with the wounded kind of uh archetype kind of like you know execute in hearthstone sure uh or finish off or whatever and leaf lurker and tessel um and i felt like it's really never developed in this game so doing something about like uh damaging enemies i thought was really cool um, the direction i went was i i did a complete complete overhaul um so complete my version overhaul. of darius right my version of darius is uh he doesn't actually have um overwhelm at level one okay um, so well, mine he didn't is, either so go ahead so uh darius I, so i've i've played a little darius in league of legends okay okay uh, <clears throat> Oh, God bless you. Excuse me. Thank you. <laughs> I'm um, coughing, TBN sneezing. It is a you was, get a <laughs> lot of extra sounds for this episode. Yeah, we'll just edit that one out. No, we won't. Um so when Darius, uh, when I played Darius, he kind of felt like he was like this offlaner. He could kind of be a little bit tanky, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Am I is, am I making sense? Because yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. I was playing him wrong. No, he's I, a top I player. A Do- I was a Dota man. I was a Dota man. Still am. Um so. I kind of like the idea of Darius actually having a little bit more, uh, defense here. resiliency, um, okay. a little bit more resilience. So, uh, I went with, uh, Darius would be a five mana, uh, four, six. Okay. Oh, interesting. Five mana four six. Okay. Um, and then when, so my thought here was, uh, he has like that big whirlwind effect, right. Or spinning his ax or whatever, like mm-hmm, ax, mm-hmm in dota which you know uh is better um okay okay so uh my thought was uh his effect is when darius is blocked deal one damage uh to all defending characters oh interesting i like that so So when someone blocks Darius, all defending characters uh, or all defending enemies, whatever, are damaged by one. Um, His level up would be, I have seen you damage six enemies. Oh, interesting. And then, leveled up Darius has Overwhelm, and he would be a, was it, I said a five mana, so you'd be a five mana five eight, right? You said a four six, so five mana five seven? 5-7, thank you. He'd be a 5-mana 5-7 with Overwhelm. That would say, when Darius attacks, destroy all damaged battling enemies. Oh, interesting. So he gets to Noxian guillotine for free any damage blockers that they put out in front. And because he now gets Overwhelm, if they put a damage blocker in front of him, they'll know... It will get killed, and he'll get his damage to go through.
0: Oh, you know what? I like both of these versions of Darius. We need actually, Riot, listen in. You need to create, get rid of this Darius and create two new Dariuses. Two, our two versions. Dariuses. Yeah. I think our Dariuses I, I, are way more interesting versions of Darius. I love those oh, Dariuses. 100%. I'm mad that I can't. I'm going to make a paper version of our Dariuses.
1: I would I would play that. I would play both of our Darius. I really like, so, because we went in different versions of him. You Very went with, like, the, the grappling, you know, the where he, like, launches himself towards the mm-hmm. guys mm-hmm. with the axe chain or whatever. Oh, no, he, pulls, I, them he er, pulls them in. Oh, he pulls yes. them in. Oh, yeah, he okay, pulls them sure. in. Okay, uh, sure. And then I was literally liking the spin effects combined with the, you know, Noxian guillotine execute, you know? Yeah. Um, and uh, I was even channeling a little bit of Axe from Dota because his thing is once he uh, he has the same ultimate where if once they're, if they're below a certain threshold, he instantly kills them. Okay, um, okay. If, if if the enemy is below a certain percentage of health, he'll instantly kill them. Um, and then once he does, it completely refreshes his cooldown.
0: Okay, so yeah. So if there are other enemies around,
1: similar. he can go and keep chopping, right? Yeah. Uh, and that's why I was kind of like the leveled up version anyone they put out there who is damaged is going to get is going to get dead now that my level two version he would stop dealing that damage to the to the blockers you know because mm-hmm. that would be a little busted he would be completely self-reliant and killing everything um but the level one version does all the damage to set up the level two version which does all the executing
0: yeah no i love it man i think both of, i
1: think both of our versions of darius are really fun and I I will say one other thing
0: and that I really like so much more creative than this version of Darius that we have.
1: Oh, 100 percent. I I think I would also change his um his spell away from decimate and over to Noxian Guillotine.
0: Yeah, I was gonna actually was gonna say the same exact thing that I wish his spell was <laughs> Noxian Guillotine
1: over decimate. Instead of decimate, hundred percent, hundred percent. He's well, just that's our, so that's the answer. Linear. That's the answer to our Patreon question. If you want to, uh, if you're a Patreon supporter and you want to get one of your questions uh, featured on the show, make sure you get into our Discord and head over to the Patreon channel. It is locked. If you're a new Patreon supporter, uh, just ping one of the admins and they will get you added uh, permission for that. But uh, we're going to be doing this every week now, and we just want to find more ways to give back to the people that support us in such awesome. Uh, fashion so thank you guys thank you Matrum. and uh, we will answer another question next week
0: yeah absolutely uh, and actually guys in addition to that we will do a deck name game next week as well we're not going to do one this week we typically would but with all of the cards we have to re- talk about and the fact that we're not going to talk about even a small percentage of them um, we just we're not going to have the time so uh, we're not going to be doing that this week but let's go ahead and get back into card talk I am unbinged <laughs> Okay, so back to Card Talk, we're looking at the new champion that's going to be coming out in this set, and we're getting a Bilgewater champion, Unbench the Kench. We're getting <laughs> Tom Kench, or Tame Kench. I think everyone calls him Tom Kench. Tom Kench kench is our new champion bilge water champion and yet another four mana champion clearly clearly riot wants your champions and every faction to start on turn four because <laughs> everybody gets a turn three turn four champ around here so tom kench is a four mana two six okay round start create an acquired taste in hand which i'll talk about in just a moment and his his level up is oh you know what i have to talk about it now so four mana two six create an acquired taste in hand Acquired taste is a two-mana slow spell that's also fleeting. So you're going to lose it at the end of each round. And it says Tom Kench swallows an enemy unit. It strikes him, then he captures it. So just get rid of... Don't even think about... the, The word swallows is literally flavor because that's what Tom does. He's a giant bullfrog that swallows people and spits them back out. Swallows an enemy unit, it strikes him... And then he captures it, which of course capture is, whenever he dies, your enemy gets it back. So he can get rid of something on the board, but it's gonna deal damage to him first. So it is, this is now his level up. I've captured three plus units. And then when he levels up, obliterate my captured enemies and release my captured allies. Tom Kench's level up is he's a 4-mana 3-7 now. Round start, create an acquired taste in hand. We already know what that does. Attack, obliterate my captured enemies, and release my allies. So we already know that acquired taste captures an enemy, and it strikes him first. What in the heck are we talking about with releasing allies? Well, that comes from Tom Kench's Bayou Bayou Brunch, which is his... Spell that goes along with him. And it says an ally captures another ally and gains the captured ally's stats. So, in other words, if you have a Tom Kench who is a 2 6, and let's say you capture one of your allies, which is a 2 2, Tom Kench becomes a 4 8 and will keep those stats until he spits out your ally. Um, so, just giving you It's a really confusing card. There's a lot of complexity with it because you're using Acquired Taste and Bayou Brunch um, in addition to that, uh, but Bayou Brunch allows your allies to capture another ally and gain its stats, and when that creature dies, you get yours back and an Acquired Taste allows you to capture an enemy, and it strikes Tom Kench on the way in. When Tom Kench levels up, he obliterates enemies, releases allies. So that gives you a little bit of, and then he would be, go back down to his normal stats. So I think that's how it works. Tom Kench seems like a complex card, DBN. Am I wrong? Is he complex?
1: Oh, he's very—he's definitely complex. Holy and cow. I think there's, it's just going to be one of those cards that as you play it, if you're especially if you're a newer player, I, I don't think I'd recommend you, try out tom kent right away and it it just there's going to be layers to it i think the deck building is going to be really interesting and seeing how what the best way to utilize this guy is but let's let's be clear i think he's one of the most interesting champions in the game already and very very flavorful of a card, uh, just, extremely so. I mean, I know nothing about League of Legends, and I can already tell what this guy's deal is, and I, I mean, it's so exciting. uh Also, can we talk about the name of the card? Bayou brunch? So good. It is. It's what a, what a great, <laughs> what a great name for a card. by you brunch? And that card is not just going to be the champion card. There's going to be, you're going to be able to build a deck with that one. I don't believe you'll be able to build a deck with an acquired taste. I think that one only gets created by, by Tom Kench. Tom. Mm-hmm. But Bayou Brunch, you should be able to put three copies in the deck. And I actually think it's it might even be viable without Tom Kench. I think Bayou Brunch is actually just a really solid card, uh, for decks that want to go tall. Um, so that's really, really interesting, I think, from that perspective. But obviously it's gonna be the best uh with the Kench and um interestingly utilizing the captured mechanic which had only ever been on one other card in the entire game so far uh i i had originally kind of expected there to be another capture effect uh in bilgewater seeing as how pirates often capture prisoners oh sure ships i expected that uh to come out a little sooner but we have it finally now in the form of mr kench uh and i think that's actually going to be a really interesting thing if people Feel they need to get more capture effects they can always pop over to damasia and snag uh detain yeah yeah and that would
0: work along with you know along with tom Um, You know, you could Mm -hmm. use Detain with Tom um, and it's going to allow him to capture something without him being struck by it, which is really cool. Um, And it's going to work towards his level up as well because he has to capture three plus units um, in order to level up. And you could use Detain to do that. You could use Mage Seekers to do that because, of course, there is a Mage Seeker card that generates Detains. And then you could use that with him, which is in, you know, the card that I thought was going to use Detain before this one um was vi because vi is a police officer like vi is mm-hmm. a cop yeah. and yet vi-, vi didn't use detain it was tom kench i i looked at this i kept reading it because i was like what in the heck how does this work <laughs> it's so confusing i'm still not 100 percent sure how like the gaining stats from the things that you swallow works like for example let's just right. say hypothetically you took four damage and he was a a 2-2 now and then you swallowed something that was a 4-4 and he becomes a 6-6 when you spit when he when he spits gets spit out does that thing that you spit out as a 4-4 is he now going to be a 2-4 because he would have healed some or or what's that going to look like or you know a 2-6 again No, he'll lose that
1: so can spitting things out kill him no, I I don't think that's going to be how it works. It doesn't say that he temporarily gains the cap Shally stats. It just he gains that those stats. It's not there. You're not fusing the units together. Um, as far as I can read this bayou brunch, the idea is for three mana slow because that's the cost for three mana. Uh, you're basically temporarily moving. You're consolidating two units into one, and when that unit dies, you're getting the original unit back. Um, and, Hmm. uh, when, but when it comes to Tom Kench, he gives you that upside of, I can basically steal those stats and then get the creature back to without me once I get leveled up. Right. Um, and I can obliterate your opponent's creatures that you don't want on the board. Well, that's the obviously good part. Yeah, for sure.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, he's, he's, he's control, right? Like he is a really good board
1: control. Mm hmm like he's strong board control right Uh, he did well you know he's gonna be what what he is is he's creature removal that isn't based on damage which Bilgewater is exclusively damage based removal Mm -hmm. and in fact actually i think in as we look at the game as a whole most efficient removal is damage based um and i think giving factions too much non-damage-based removal is bad for the game but i think when you put it on a champion it, it actually becomes a much more compelling uh way to play and that's what tom kinch does now it's risky right because oh, yeah. if at any point before he gets leveled up he dies you will have lost all of that value they get their board storming back and uh you know they're gonna probably win if if you get tom kench and he uh, you know captures two of the opponents units and then he dies you will have lost all of your progress on kench kench is gone now of course and they get their units back alongside whatever units they've built up as you slowed the game down um and so there's going to be a big turnaround i mean that's going to be the key killing kench which means you have to protect him um and i think i kind of like that now i don't know anything about the lore but as i'm looking at this guy it looks like he's kind of like a bilgewater mobster maybe somebody who thinks a lot of deals or something like that he's
0: like from a swamp he's from a swamp so he's
1: like a swamp creature swamp person right but he's got like fancy clothing on like he's some he's some sort of like you know, yeah, I only uh, remember wheeler, his one, wheeler and dealer. His
0: one skin, he's like a chef, so that's all I can remember. Oh, okay, <laughs> I don't know. I only Tom Kench came after my time of playing LOL, so I'm not real sure.
1: Well, either way, I do kind of like that idea of you know, as you're playing it, you're walking that tightrope, uh-huh. you know, that payoff is huge, you know, but but you know, it's it's kind of like a you know, a criminal you know mastermind is going to be they're going to be halfway between demise and getting caught by the law and getting you know whatever all the way but once they get there they got it you know what i mean like i don't know i just really like that vibe of you know as you play you're going to be on edge so much with this guy because you know if he dies you are in trouble um but golly that that taste of the sweet life once you get him leveled up man (laughs) Yeah, you know, I looked at Bayou Brunch, and I was kind of like, you know,
0: something that's kind of interesting in sort of an aggressive deck, if like your early game doesn't, like you you use your units in the early game and your opponent gets a couple of blockers down, and then you put an Overwhelm unit on the board, you can use Bayou Brunch to actually take a creature that wasn't going to get any damage through, stack it on your Overwhelm minion, and now the damage that was going to deal will get through, because it's going to come through over the top of your Overwhelm minion. Um, and I think yeah. that there's maybe a use for Bayou Brunch in aggressive decks that say, okay, early game I'm going to make a wide board, late game I'm going to stack a bigger Overwhelm creature to push some closing damage through. I think there's potential there. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think that's really interesting, too. Um, I mean, I can almost see, like, a Relentless Raider uh, mm-hmm. in Yard, you know, getting over having Overwhelm tough, you know, but now getting, th- you know, another two three of stats or whatever it ends up being i mean you end up with a five And when it dies you get that creature back yeah the refund there is the cool part yeah no i think that's i mean i don't know if it's it might be more mid-range like a like a more board centric mid-range but either way i i think you're right like i think there is bayou brunch seems maybe not like um top tier but like it can be played and splashed into other lists for you know, promising results. So uh, yeah. Okay. Like let's
0: let's let's talk about so that's our that's our thoughts on Tom Kench. Uh and I'm I'm definitely gonna be unbenching the Kench when he comes out and I'll sure. be using him because I think he's cool. Let's talk about two other cards that are have gotten a good bit of talk in our Discord and I think would be interesting to share our thoughts on them. The first one, uh let's go back to one of the ones that came out earlier. Uh the one mana two four Krusty Co Codder. Crusty Codger, Codger codger Codger. crusty codger he's like a crab uh with a boxing glove um he actually really like his artwork um and uh so he is a one mana two four that is play deal two damage to me now i think this is interesting we just had this conversation about play so if you have anything that summons a random one drop which by the way Bilgewater has at least two of. They have a spell, three of. They have a spell that summons a one drop, a spell that summons two one drops. And then they also have a the the three mana three one that can summon a one drop or a powder keg. You can get a now one mana two four off of it because you're not playing him, you're summoning him. So it's a big boost to the summon a one-drop cards that are already in Bilgewater. Um, did you have any thoughts on this? Because it's it's typically it's a one mana. 2-2 two, two that can be healed which cards that can maybe come from targon would benefit from that which is kind of cool you know it's going to be a one mana 2-2 two, two, um and you can you know you have a little bit of room to work there as well so it has kind of an upside actually um mm-hmm. if you view if you view it not as a one mana 2-4 at the downside you got to view it as a one mana 2-2 two, two with a potential upside especially in what it the, the high roll that it can swing um if uh, something summons it instead of it being played from your hand
1: yeah no um i don't care about this card i mean my thoughts on it are it can help level up swain and vlad um you know you'll you'll play this on one and vlad will instantly get a sixth of the way towards leveling up you play it on uh vlad, both vlad and swain actually will get a sixth of the way mm-hmm. towards leveling mm-hmm. on turn 1 that's pretty nice, I guess, if you want to play Bill's Water with Noxus. I would have actually been happier seeing this in Noxus, um, especially because you already have a one mana 2 2 with upside called uh, that has Pilfer. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, you've got the, uh, shoot him, uh, Jagged Butcher. Jagged so Butcher, like, who's
0: Very strong. Probably one very of the strongest strong. one drops, if not the strongest one drop in the game.
1: Right, and just for redundancy's sake, you also have Crackshot, Corsair, and Prowling Cutthroat. Like, Bilgewater already has good ones. Krusty Codger, I feel like, only gets played... I feel like Krusty Kod... So, reason why people are getting weird about it is because of the high roll potential that you can get with... Um, summoning him. A- with summoning him from like Island Navigator, Petty Officer, or actually, now that I'm thinking about it, theoretically, you could play that four drop that's Allegiance in uh, um, Ionia. If you that's really that's
0: true, it. yeah, and then there's uh did you say the one that gives would give him scout as well the
1: yeah island island navigator, okay, yeah.
0: yeah, and then there is the two wanted maps that
1: summons a one drop uh from bilgewater as well, right, I think that that's cool from that perspective, but I really don't think guys like a two four is not I mean yeah, if Island Navigator gets hits the high roll, that's cool, but like Island Navigator's not really seeing that much play uh outside of dedicated like bilgewater heavy mf scout decks and those decks are already kind of like inferior to the Demacian scout decks yeah so like this really isn't a big deal i i don't get the i i don't get the hype and i don't get the concern about the rng high roll i mean like it's not like as bad as when you could high roll mud crab merchant in tessel and it would give you amazing cards (laughs) like this is you're getting stats cool but they're they're defensive stats as opposed to aggressive stats and that's a big difference you know for if you're generating a, a random creature um at least with it being a one drop getting a like defensive stats is a lot less it's 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 going to help you block but it's not going to push a ton of damage or anything like that um so i i don't have an issue with crusty cadre it's, yeah, whatever.
0: There's gonna be times when your opponent is playing Bilgewater and they do the three mana, three-one. What's the name of that one that summons a one drop? Petty, petty Officer. Petty Officer. And they play a th- it's gonna be a three it's gonna be three mana for a five-five worth of stats over two bodies. And that is going uh, to be hard to deal with.
1: Um, sure, I guess. It, it, with it being over two bodies and the petty officer having a three-one, like Theoretically, that's not actually that hard to deal with because the off the attack stat is on the less good minion. Like for instance, if it was a one mana, if it was a one one and a four four, that'd be way you know way better of a stat distribution. Three one and two four is a pretty bad stat distribution. Although I see what you're saying about total stats. Um, I think someone actually like suggested this, and I just this really has nothing to do with the crusty codger, but they were saying uh, they would have liked to have seen Petty Officer. Stay at a three-two and give you a choice between a powder keg and a powder monkey, and I thought that was freaking brilliant. That is smarter.
0: That is smarter. That would
1: have been way more interesting of a card. Uh, I would love it. It is one more powder monkey thing, but also, you know, one more powder keg. Keep the stats on the guy, so you want to play him in decks that aren't just about summoning one drops. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, Crusher Contra, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do one more
0: card DBN and then I want you to pick one card that we haven't talked about that we can talk about. How's that? Sound? Okay. So the other one I'm gonna choose uh, that because of I think we already know what this one is. Divergent Paths. Divergent Paths mm-hmm. is a new target card. is a three mana fast spell that reads Draw a landmark or destroy a landmark. Draw a landmark or destroy a landmark. Three mana to potentially destroy your opponent's Howling Abyss or to tutor your Starspring, or to tutor your own, uh, I don't, uh, you know, whatever you would draw your own vaults out of your deck. If you're playing a Control Shadow Isles Targon deck, get vaults of uh, Hel- Helia, or Helia, Helia, Hel- Helistus, <laughs> uh, get it out of your deck. um Divergent paths, some people today saying This card's ridiculous some people saying maybe not so good some people saying this card kills all landmarks some people saying it doesn't a lot of differing opinions on this card my initial opinion is i don't have a problem with this card i'm like okay sure i mean yeah it does make howling abyss worse than what it already was which it was bad um it was just fun and yeah it's like a no fun for you you know guy who really wanted to play howling abyss to generate infinite value of level two champions that you probably didn't want in your hand um and so yeah draw draw a landmark destroy landmark i the the appealing part for this uh, for me is is draw a landmark you know you can tutor out the landmark that you want and without a lot of landmarks in the game you you tutor out the one that you want i think that's really a sweet Ability now, out of the ones that we've seen, the only one that I would be interested in, in tutoring out is vaults, but um, because I, I don't think I'm gonna want to. I mean, maybe I would do it in Howling Abyss for the memes, right? Um, but I don't care about paying three mana to draw a star spring or three mana to get a slaughter dox personally um but vaults sure if, if my deck revolves around a card and vaults is the type of card your deck would revolve around then tutoring out that vault to your hand makes a lot of sense to me so divergent paths
1: uh good bad don't care what are your thoughts dbn uh no i think this card this is a great card and it's a great card because it's great design not because it's super strong um here's the, so, There was a lot of reactions to it in our community, and I think that's a fair thing. Um, So the one that I saw a lot of people saying was that this is, like, super, super strong, and I'd say it's not super strong. It's strong in a landmark deck. That's the key there, guys. Like, it's not... People... You're not going to play this in Targon if you're not running landmarks. And really... You're not even going to play this uh, in a Targon deck if you're not running landmarks. You need to be running a deck that is dedicated to playing a landmark as part of its core central strategy. It's not you're not going to put a package of oh man, I really need to kill landmarks. I guess I'm going to put Divergent Paths and then splash in a couple of Star Springs just in case they're not playing landmarks. No, you play Divergent Paths when you are playing a landmark deck because it gives you a way to tutor your landmarks and the killing a landmark is upside Mm -hmm. yep yep yep. that's That's not the point of the card it's the upside you never lee Senteric is not going to run divergent paths they're not going to do it right no because divergent path they have no landmarks they want yet i mean that could change i suppose there could be an ionian one that makes it amazing but um you know they're not going to run divergent paths uh because they don't need to it doesn't it doesn't give them anything and it runs the risk of being a completely dead card. You never, you never, this is okay. Deck building one-on-one guys um, deck building one one never play a card that has a chance to be completely dead. Yep. And have no use at all. If you, if you have like no use, I'm not talking about a, an expensive card that will sit in your hand, you know, clogging it up. But if you have a card that is based on your opponent's matchup to be playable not good, but playable. You don't play it. Divergent paths. If you're not running landmarks, you don't play this card. Agreed. It is a it it. I really hate to only Siths, only a Sith deals in absolutes. Okay, <laughs> but you can, but you can call me Darth Broke Nerd. Okay, I like uh, that. <laughs> I do like you, it. You you can call me that uh, because I'm telling you, if you play Divergent Paths and you don't have landmarks it is the wrong choice it is you it is a bad it is the wrong card you are making a mistake the only place
0: where i would see that there is a chance right where that's not true is if you're a tournament player and you're going into a tournament and you know uh,
1: the, uh, if landmarks are strong in a tournament environment you play a deck that naturally can have landmark removal without it being awkward You never, you're not going to, you know, because you have the ability to select three or four decks, you're not going to go into a tournament environment where you know landmarks are prevalent and play awkward landmark removal. You're going to pick a deck that has easy landmark removal, something like Crumble, right? Where I think Crumble may not be a super strong card, but it will get played uh, in environments where uh, landmarks are strong, it might be strong, anyways. I don't know, but you know, um, it will get played in an environment where landmarks are strong, uh, because it is not a bad card. It can it's flexible. It can do multiple things, and if landmarks are strong, crumbles will get slotted in, maybe instead of something else. Uh, but this is one that, you know, if and if you are playing a landmarks deck, and you go into it, if you go into a, a, a tournament environment and landmarks are really prevalent then you might be inspired to also play landmarks and play divergent paths. Sure. Right. But you won't ever play a Targon deck that doesn't run landmarks and include this. It's just going to, it's just going to hurt you. It's going to, and you, you may, someone will do it, but it won't be the correct choice. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I agree, and I think I think that you're right. That
0: this card's most powerful point and really only viable place is going to be in a deck that runs landmarks already, because it's wanting to use this. Its primary use is a tutor, and occasionally. You have the landmark in your hand, so you don't need to tutor it, and your opponent plays a landmark and you can destroy it. And I don't, in, in the so, so for the landmarks that I've seen so far, with the exception of Howling Abyss, if that happens, uh, you know, it's not even necessarily going to be game ending. Does that make sense? Like, it's not, it, it, it isn't necessarily going to be game ending for your opponent. Um, and if they're playing Howling Abyss, they weren't playing a real deck probably to begin with. um And maybe, maybe I'll eat those words and I'll be wrong. But <laughs> I really feel like, you know, yeah, it's a bummer for them, but they weren't really playing a, a real a, a real pattern to win anyway. They were hoping to cheese their way to a win, and they were going to tell a story for it. And they're very used to losing with the deck um already, probably. You yeah. uh, know, yeah, that's my initial. Yeah, so I think that it is. Uh, I don't think it's overpowered or anything. And and I think it's in a good place. And I'm excited that it exists because hopefully, you know, if you're playing a landmark style deck, it's going to push you into Target, right? It's going to be another reason mm-hmm. to play Target, And there aren't a tremendous number of reasons to play Target right now outside of Targetly Lee Sin. But you're going to have more of a reason to play Target now. And I think that's a good thing. So do you have one card that we haven't talked about yet that you'd like to talk about, DBN?
1: Um, so I, I kind of sort of put crumble in there just as a reference. I think crumbles an interesting card, but it is a, a important card, but not an interesting card. Okay. Sure. Um, so I don't want to talk about that. I'll be honest. The cards we've seen the like non landmarks, non champion cards we've seen have been pretty underwhelming from a interesting perspective. Um, I think that, uh crystal ibex is probably going to be pretty decent that's a four mana four four that grants an ally overwhelm yeah but i also that's pretty bland and boring there's not much to talk about there sneaky zebels is interesting as a way to stun things but again i don't think that's gonna be very good you got voices of the old ones which i don't understand why that's a card um and it really feels to me that there's a lot more just not good cards in here Except, uh, there's one that I'm I'm look at and I everything I know tells me, I I I think it's bad. But then I look at it and I it says the magic the magic word that makes any card interesting. Any card you, you consider it, you give it every card that says this one word a second look. And what word is that? I don't I don't know what is it. It's draw. Draw. Anything, anything that says the word "draw" in a CCG, you give it at least two or three looks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sure. And so the Fortune Croaker has gotten me looking at it multiple times. The Fortune. Oh yes. Okay. Sure. Fortune Croaker. That's the two mana, two three. It says play, deal one to me and an ally. To mm-hmm. Draw one. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know that's a steep cost because you have to. It's gonna damage itself. It, it's a two mana two two. Basically. Sure. Yeah. Draw and it, you, but you and you already it have to have an, Yeah, and you already have to have an ally on the board to get the draw, and then you have to damage that ally. That's not the bad part. Um, this card, you know, um, it's of course because I like self damage strategies uh i really like this card because it can ping a crystal curator or crimson curator give you a card you know you can sure. play it with um you know uh the aristocrat deal one to it deal one to the opponent draw a card um but uh, you know the thing is is on two if you miss your one drop and you're forced to play this on two it's a two mana two two that does nothing which is bad um, which is bad. It's just bad. bad. Yeah, yeah. So I I look at this and I say this is really fascinating and I want to play it, but you gotta, it's gotta be built around so much. And is that draw one worth the build around? Sure. I don't know. Uh, maybe. But Fortune Croker has me, has me interested. And there's a lot of cards that in this like the commons and rares that if I'm being honest, I'm a little disappointed by. I think Spring Guardian is the next one that I almost picked. That's a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three that gives you a 1-mana spell that heals an ally. I think that's pretty good. I like anything with average stat distribution that gives you a free card. Anything like that. It doesn't matter what it is. Gift givers, you know, whatever. If it's some, if it's a average stats and it gives you a card, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. I, you know what? There's gonna be there's a lot of this like self damage stuff that's coming out in Tom Kent's package. Even like Shakedown deal two damage to an ally to get uh, grant two enemies vulnerable, um, which Man, I liked. I don't know why uh, you would play that? I love giving enemies vulnerable. That's why, and it does it at yeah, burst speed, so your opponent can't stop it from happening.
1: Yeah, I mean the burst speed's not bad, but I would way rather play. Ye been warned. Yeah, which, uh, it's slow though, right? Yeah, it's slow but it also refunds itself in terms of card uh, hand size like you give one enemy vulnerable but if you can kill it you draw a card uh i mean burst speed's nice but it has it doesn't replace itself in hand you know if you want to get full value after out of it you have to have two allies out there that are going to kill something that you don't mind dying plus uh, you have to damage one of your guys first, so it'll probably die in the trade. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, the burst, the speed is by far the strength of the card. I agree. But I just, don't you know...
0: Yeah, I, I, maybe it's not good. There's there's some interesting stuff there that maybe we maybe there's some place in there to work with some self damage or um, some some Vlad or uh, or uh, you know probably not Vlad Swain level up stuff that that it already wants to do. But I'll be honest, like the TF Swain deck is already so refined. That I'm not sure that it, it, you know, you're gonna really find room for this. And TF in that deck is probably better than Kench is gonna be. Be interesting. Maybe there's something new there that I'm not seeing. Uh, but yeah. So the, that was the only other card that I saw that I was like interesting because it's burst speed and I can surprise my opponent by bursting this out and still being on the open attack. Right. Like I, yeah. I I can open. I yeah. can burst be this. Give two of my opponents vulnerable ones that i need to remove but i don't have a lot of removal for and then i can attack in on the same exact action so my opponent can't respond to it um and vulnerable is powerful like it is it, it any anytime i see vulnerable i'm like that's interesting to me because i think that vulnerable is a really strong uh, a thing to to put to make use of so you know that that was my only close that was my only other thought on a card but it's it's just like so many of these cards like everything else you have to play with them before you can figure out if they're any good
1: (laughs) well and you have to have they'll all get put much more in perspective as the rest of the set is previewed and i guess we have Twenty more cards. Done, yeah, two more, cards. two more
0: champions. Two more champions, and I think we've seen it. Twenty cards. So I think we have four more landmarks, uh, and then sixteen additional cards, and then two more champions yet to come. So we've seen just shy of half, like one champion shy of half the cards that we're going to see.
1: So we should get uh, a few more Demacia cards, a few more Noxus cards, uh, Ionia P and Z.
0: Yeah, and I think right. the thought is is that we'll probably get a bunch of Demacia cards because we're we'll probably. I think they said it's likely that it's Shyvana along with mm-hmm. Dragon synergies, and then uh, and then you will probably get a few more Target cards as well. I would
1: think that go well, with right. Soraka. So, so Freyja only gets two, like is only getting two cards right now. So we got a Bilgewater package. We're gonna get a demacia package supposedly right yeah and then we're going to get the rest of the targon package with soraka which is going to be a lot more healing stuff that's what we've begun right. seeing and then we'll and then we'll probably see two ionia cards two pnz cards two uh noxus cards yeah that sounds about right and one of each of those is going to be a landmark uh, are we certain there's going to be one landmark for every faction? Is that confirmed? Uh,
0: or... I don't. I don't I mean. Know. I know
1: that's the trend. You're right. That I mean. I think that's probably
0: going to happen. I, I. It looks like we're going to get one landmark for each faction, and it's going to be an epic landmark. One. One for each. Uh, well, I hope that's true because I
1: would. I would really think we would want to see all those new landmarks just so at least one or two of them can be good <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i
1: hope i hope and and hopefully there's a couple that will kind of you know be synergistic and work together which would be great oh they did i remember in the trailer they did show what looked like some sort of like university or something for pnz that had like a heimerdinger statue on it or something like that
0: oh that's cool uh, yeah that's right that. yes that was mm-hmm. yeah that's gonna be one of the landmarks almost for sure
1: yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I'm excited to, to see what's up with that. I really, I'm really, i excited, really, to see what they do with, with the Noxus landmark. I mean, we've talked about this at, at nauseum, but the lack of kind of cohesive identity there is going to be interesting to see. I think that's going to be a big indicator of what they see Noxus as. If they give Noxus another aggro, like some sort of aggressive, think like a Divine Fervor or something like that, that'll be a really big telegraph of how they view Noxus' identity going forward because if they're choosing their only you know landmark for the foreseeable future to be based on aggression just more just more aggression it's going to be a pretty you know pretty clear that we're not likely to see a multifaceted uh, faction oh, for a while sure
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Well, you know what? That's all the cards that we're going to look at today. Most of this episode,
0: pretty much all of this episode has been about uh, the cards that are going to be coming out. This expansion, the next release comes out on the 14th. So when we are recording this next episode, we will be looking at the new cards at that point. We're probably not going to do a bunch of card reviews or things um, for that. Uh, Yeah, so uh, that was a great couple cards to look at, and we'll see next week on the next episode um, whenever we have the new cards to actually play around with, what we think and we'll talk about the two new champions and maybe even have a little champion spotlight but let's work our way out of here uh, it's time for the episode to be over i'm going to go ahead and give a couple of quick closing thoughts and i thought i was already perfect <laughs> Okay, closing thought this week is part six out of seven parts of our relationship closing thought series. This one, uh, the, the closing thought is faith, which I am choosing intentionally not to really get into too much, um, simply because it's uh, it's definitely a more of a, a religious pillar in relationships. But there was one really good quote that I, I found in it that I thought it was really good. But it said this, when you put a person in a position of God, and, and that could be any, 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 interpretation of that that you want it to be you set him or her up for failure think of a man who makes his wife his god he makes her responsible for his joy identity and comfort all things that only something else can satisfy inevitably his anxiety goes to the roof whenever he can't control her he has to put her in charge he has put her in charge of such a deep needs in his life that he becomes actually scared of her because she becomes an addiction when he can't get his fix he ends up in a mess. And so often in relationships, this is what happens. We turn to people because either we're sad, maybe we're lonely, maybe we're a little bit depressed, maybe our life kind of sucks. And we think to ourselves, all that I really need is a relationship, right? I need a romantic relationship. And if I was just in a romantic relationship, then my life would be better and I would be happier. And so we get into these romantic relationships and then it's like, okay, I should be happier now. And then the person doesn't always make us happy. And then our source of happiness is linked almost entirely to that person. So if that person isn't making us happy, they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And we end up breaking off or ending the relationship because this relationship, the whole purpose of it was to make me happy and it's it's not making me happy so it's not doing the thing that i want it to do and it ends up for really unhealthy relationships because we try to force people into being things that they were never intended or capable of being in our lives and this is why it's so important to get ourselves healthy whether that's through counseling whether that's through therapy whether whatever it is it's important that we get ourselves Emotionally spiritually whatever healthy before we enter into serious relationships because then we don't go into the relationships with all this baggage trying to force the other person to be something they're not supposed to be a relationship really isn't about two people meeting halfway in between at 50 50 it's about two people giving 100% to one another every day. So when one person doesn't show up that day, you do show up giving 100%. So that's my closing thought. Uh, You need to be healthy because you cannot turn the other person that you're in a relationship with into an idol uh, or into that thing that's supposed to solve all of your problems. They're never intended to be that and they can never actually be that for you. That's my closing thought this week for relationships part six.
1: Nice. Well, we should actually wrap that up right as the next set comes out. That's going to be like perfectly timed. Yeah. Last
0: next week is the last pillar of establishing and building healthy
1: relationships or closing thoughts.
0: Once again, guys, we do closing thoughts because we hope that if you take time to listen to an hour and a half or two hours of us, that you don't just get LOR knowledge out of it. Hopefully it adds to more. adds to your life more than that. Um, but DBN, you had just said that you, uh, you had maybe done a little recording today and then you gave up. Uh, do you have something new coming out for YouTube or, and if not, how can people kind of get connected with you outside the show if they'd like to do that?
1: Yeah. uh dead nerd on YouTube. I, um, you know it's it's been a busy week and a half um but you know i'm hoping i might be able to get some recording in on sunday you know it's always tough when you get new cards coming out because you're kind of like you know excited for the new cards and don't want to spend your you know ccg energy on old stuff because now that you see all the new stuff you're like sure. Ooh, i want that oh yeah it's oh, yeah. not oh, as much yeah. fun without that you know <laughs> Uh, but no, I have a couple of decks that, uh, I've been interested in kind of, uh, playing and recording videos on. I'm still killing it with my Poro list. Guys, that thing is legit. Poros? Yeah, legitimately. Like, I, I've crushed uh, a couple Lee Taric decks and ranked the other day, and um, yeah. No, it's legitimately strong. Um, people also don't know how to play around it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah no so i've been playing that but i already made a video on that so if you're interested in in that poro list um i'm not that the list that i put up there isn't uh perfect it's not the list i'm currently using but it's it's so close it doesn't really matter um and you can like tech some of the cards in and out and it'll still get the job done um so that's on my youtube right now and then yeah i'm hoping to get a new video up maybe by early next week so uh maybe keep your eyes peeled for that and of course once the new stuff comes out I'll be diving right in and getting a couple, getting a couple experimental lists up too awesome you can check me out on twitch go to twitch.tv slash the lift and you can hit a follow there i'm really not
0: streaming right now but i will be hopefully somewhere between october and november i'll be doing that a little bit more regularly and we're going to be streaming some lor um and that's it i don't have a youtube so don't come find me there join our discord that's where everything's happening and you can join uh if you join our discord and you're interested in dungeon dragons let me know uh or let uh, one of our admins know and they can actually give you the dungeon of Dragons tag. Dungeon you can join our west marches campaign i actually was in the introductory session with uh, me and dbn and one other person this week and it was a ton of fun I had, a, I had a great time my character did get killed um completely outright and my my life had to be saved um but by, by the dm but we had a lot of we had a lot of fun it was a tremendous amount of fun so we're doing play by post and i'm actually in on dbn's game this upcoming monday that's starting on a play by post as well hopefully so that's right. uh so yeah so come and Join us for Dungeons and Dragons in there as well as lots of conversations about the new cards, people to do trades with, and people to play games with. Keep up on the league. That way you can do that as well uh, through our Discord league. And that's going to do it. That's everything from me and from DBN for this episode of Legends Cast. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, as always, be sure to come back again next week. Thanks for listening to Legends Cast. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you want to become a supporter of the show, visit patreon.com legendscast or leave a rating and review wherever it is that you listen to podcasts.